Welcome to Savvy Money Talk. I am so excited to bring this podcast to you, where we break down barriers and normalize women talking openly about money, investing, and wealth. I am Kara, your host and financially savvy BFF, and my mission is to bring financial education and financial literacy to millions of women across the globe. I'm here to empower you to create your version of financial freedom and independence, whatever that looks like to you. Not to have money for money's sake, but for the choice and freedom it provides you, your family and your loved ones. We'll dive deep into the topics that will empower you on your journey to financial independence. We'll explore the transformative power of understanding your beliefs and attitudes towards money so you can break free from limitations and create a mindset of abundance. Get ready for insightful discussions and financial education about managing and investing money more effectively to help you take charge of your financial future. Hello and welcome back to Savvy Money Talks, the show where we break down barriers and normalize women talking openly about money, investing and wealth. In today's show, I'm going to talk about how to work out the amount of money that you need to be financially free. You hear people talking about financial freedom and the FIRE movement all the time. It's all the buzz right now. You know, live, work and play from anywhere in the world. The ultimate dream for so many people, myself included, and I am partway there, but what actually is it? And then from a practical perspective, what do you need to do to achieve that? How can you make it happen? And how can you minimize the overwhelm with getting started? So first of all, let's define FIRE. FIRE stands for financial independence, retire early. And there can be different levels of it depending on what it is that you want to achieve. And what that level is and your own situation will determine how how much money that you need to have invested to be able to create that amount of passive income to live off. Obviously, living in Southeast Asia or South America is going to be very different to the cost of living in the US, most of Europe or Australia. If you work in some capacity, it's going to look different. So basically, it's going to look different for everyone and it may look different in different stages of your own life as well. The way I like to look at this is in three levels. I call it your financial freedom figure. So the amount of money you need invested to provide you with a certain amount of passive income each year. It's what's going to give you significantly more choices and freedom in your life. Like I said before, not in a lazy kind of way, although you can do that if you like, but in a way where you no longer need to work just to pay the bills. You get to do work that you love because you're passionate about it. You get to spend time with loved ones or focus on hobbies and passions or travel the world. It might be that you've always wanted to pursue a different career, but it doesn't pay as well, so you haven't done it yet. Or you might want to do something simply for the love of it. Your financial freedom figure is where your expenses are met without you having to do anything. It's truly passive. It's not having a business you can't take time off from any more than working for someone else. It's not having a digital product that you create and manage the back end for. Because newsflash, you still have to market that. You still have to put in a lot of work. It's not actually truly passive. It's not anything that you have to show up for and do something. It might be an investment property that is managed and it's putting money into your bank account. It might be dividends from shares, distributions from ETFs, interest from cash or fixed interest. So how do you work out your number? Let's start with your dream life. Living it up, doing what you really want to do, and then assign some values to it. Just ballpark figures are fine. Don't get caught up in researching how much things will cost for days on end. Go with your gut feeling. For example, do you want to travel for three months of the year? You'll need to cover your housing costs and associated bills as well as the travel costs. 
This is going to depend on where you want to go and the type of travel you want to do. For the longest time I've known, I really dislike being in Australia during winter. Everything I love doing is based on good weather and being outdoors. So winter in Australia just doesn't do it for me. So I've built being away to three to for three to five months over winter into my plan. Do you want more time and spaciousness in your day-to-day -day life? Do you wanna be able to pursue your hobbies? Do you wanna to go to the gym during the day? That was a big driver for me in leaving the corporate world is I was like, I just wanna to go to the gym when I wanna to go to the gym and not be dictated to when I can and can't go. Do you wanna be able to pick the kids up from school, enjoy the sunshine on a beautiful day, go for hikes in nature or just do nothing and give yourself the space when you're not feeling 100% to find all of this and really let your imagination run wild and don't try and stop yourself from putting down things that you actually truly do want to have and do want to live. It might mean working three days a week, four days a week, or working three to four hours a day, or doing something completely different to what you're currently doing. It can be really useful to write out your ideal day, your ideal month, and your ideal year. Now, when we're talking about your ideal day, this is like your day-to-day. -day. It's not like that amazing day that you have when you're on holidays, but what, what do you want your ideal day to look like? Those days can be amazing as well. The cost of this is what's going to represent your so freaking amazing financial freedom figure. So this is your highest level. Really go wild here. It's about dreaming and visioning your most abundant, beautiful, amazing life. Then from there, we can calculate the base and the mid levels. Think about the amount of money that you need to live on. Your base level covers your base expenses. Think housing, groceries, insurance, transport, a basic amount of entertainment. Now your mid-level financial freedom builds on this. It includes everything in your base level plus a little bit more. Eating out, more activities, more travel, that type of thing. I find this useful as we know we are working towards our ideal life. We're working towards the bigger picture, the vision, the dream of how we want to spend our days, of how we want to spend our time. But the base and the mid-levels, it help us to break down the larger goal and it feels like just way more achievable when we're starting out. I'm going to give you some examples of figures just so I can explain to you what assets invested are going to look like to be able to get those levels of income. So obviously this is going to be different for everybody, but it'll just make it easier to understand the calculation if I'm using actual figures. Let's go with a base level of $50,000 per year. A mid level is $80,000 per year. And a so freaking amazing is $120,000 per year. Now we are going to divide these numbers by 4%. And this is what gives us the amount of investable assets that we need to have that income per year. For example, the base level of $50,000, it's 50,000 divided by 4% is $1.25 million. Our mid-level of 80,000, 80,000 divided by 4% is $2 million. 120,000 divided by 4% is $3 million. So why have I used 4%? Well, 4% is a long-term average dividend yield of the ASX 200. The S&P 500 long-term dividend yield is 1.85% and globally it's around 2.3%. 
So this means that over the long term, and remember, long term is decades, it is not years, being invested in the ASX 200 will give you 4% per income a year through dividends or distributions while those assets continue to grow. There are obviously other considerations when creating your investment portfolio as well as dividend yields. So, you know, your attitude to risk, diversification, liquidity. Diversification is just not having all your eggs in one basket. Liquidity is how easily it is for you able to get your money out. What this means is if you have $1.25 million invested and it's earning 4%, you're going to receive $50,000 in income a year. Like I said, long-term average. So some years will be lower, some could be higher, but that is what you can reasonably expect your income levels to be. Now, whilst you're building your portfolio, you can reinvest the dividends, helping you to get your investable assets of $1.25 million quicker. Or if you have an investment property, then the rent can be utilized to be paying down the debt that you have on that property. Now, I know even a base level of 1.25 mil may just seem so insurmountable and so out of reach right now. And that's where we break it down into even smaller amounts. So it might be getting to your first 100,000 or investing X dollars per month where X might be $5 or it might be $500 or anywhere in between. Just always remember, you're never going to get there if you don't start. Start by looking at your finances, aligning your spending with your values, block any leaks and decide how much money you're going to intentionally allocate to debt reduction, savings and investing. Just like going to the gym, focus on consistency over a long period of time. Look at ways that you can increase your income so you can increase the amount you're saving, pay down debt and invest. If you think about this, we don't go to the gym and then after a month be like, well, I haven't lost weight yet. I haven't built muscle. I'm not fitter. I'm not stronger. So that's it. I'm going to quit. We all know that it's the consistency over prolonged periods of time, which is what gets us our results. Investing is exactly the same. It's the consistency over long periods of time. Now, let's look at what different contribution or investment amounts per month may look like. If you want to start investing $500 per month and the average return is 7%, this is a conservative return, you're going to have $260,000 after 20 years. You might be like, well, that's great, Cara, but it's not one and a half mil and it's going to take 20 years, which is true. But if you want to get there faster, there's two ways of doing it. You need to invest more or you need to generate a higher return. Now, keeping in mind, higher returns are associated with higher levels of risk. So also look at ways to expand your income. So then you're able to invest more. You're able to contribute more, which is also going to reduce the amount of time that it takes to get to that 1.5 mil. So $1,000 per month is going to get $520,000 over 20 years. So you can see by doubling the contribution amount, it has doubled the amount of your return. As I said, 7% is conservative. And I like to use conservative figures as I would rather be surprised on the upside rather than the downside. 
But if we look at average returns for different markets, they are slightly higher than this. The average annual return for the 10 years to June 2021 was 9.3% per annum for Aussie shares. And I, I know I said to think in decades, not years. So the 100-year average annual return is 13.2%. So they are higher than the 7% that I've used to illustrate this. Now, Aussie shares can be desirable to people living and or a tax resident of Australia due to their tax treatment. But as I mentioned before, this is not the only consideration when looking at your portfolio. Having a diversified portfolio is important, not putting all your eggs in one basket, looking at your attitude to risk and return and what you're comfortable with as well. Now, let's look at the US market. The average annualized return of the S&P 500 since inception 1928 through to December 2022 had an average annual return of 9.82%. And if we look at international shares in general, they return 9.1% a year for the 20 years to 2022. I do want to emphasize past returns are not an indication of future returns. It's very, very important to remember but it does give you some information as to what is realistic and what isn't. If you think you're going to get 100, 150% return in a year, it's just unrealistic and not going to happen. Let's run these same numbers again, but using a 9% annual return. So if you're investing $500 a month, it's 334,000 after 20 years. If you increase that to 1,000 a month, you're going to have 668,000. And if you work backwards and you you want to get to your one and a half mil in 20 years, you need to be investing $2,300 per month. This gives you some examples of how much you need to be investing to get to different goals. I use this same investment amount per month, but realistically it is going to change over time. Hopefully increase, which will decrease the amount of time that it takes you to get to your goal. If this seems overwhelming, start with a goal of investing X dollars a fortnight or a month. Where X might be $5, it might be $100, it might be $200. I started investing $5, increased it to $25 a week because that was all I could manage at the time. The benefit of starting is that you learn so much better. It's in the doing that we learn and it builds confidence and then you can increase it over time if you choose to. Going back to the fitness analogy, you don't build muscle or get fitter by thinking about going to the gym. You don't build muscle or get fitter or leaner by doing more research, by reading more articles, listening to more podcasts. You build muscle by actually going to the gym and learning as you go. Your workouts would likely have changed over time as you learn more, but you wouldn't have gotten to that point without first starting. And the exact same thing applies to investing and creating financial freedom. So if you have $10,000 invested and your dividend yield is 4%, that's $400 a year in dividends which you're receiving, which you can also reinvest. You can see how this builds over time. For my Aussie listeners as well, it can be valuable to look at this in a pre-traditional retirement age and post-traditional retirement age. And I use the words retirement age in inverted commas as the whole point of this conversation is to retire early, financial independence, financial freedom. 
But the way you hold your assets, the structure of how you hold your assets is actually really important because your earnings come in three different ways. They come in your capital growth or loss, your income, which is your dividends or your rent or your interest, and the tax that you either do or don't pay. Earnings on income streams, which you can create from your superannuation money in Australia, is tax-free once you reach what's called preservation age, which is currently 60 for most of us. And the income you receive is also tax-free. It doesn't even need to go on your tax return. So this is really valuable if even if you are wanting to retire early at 40 or 45, 50, but you want to live in Australia and you're planning to still be alive at 60, 65, 70, it's an important consideration when you're looking at your overall picture. So don't just focus on building assets outside of super. Yes, they're really important for retiring early, but in incorporating super into your plan will mean you need a lower value of assets to receive the same level of income and also a lower amount of contributions because you're able to make these contributions with pre-tax dollars up to a certain limit. They are taxed in super, but that is lower than what most people will pay in their own name. Not tax advice, general information. You do lose a certain amount of control though as there is a chance the government will change the rules over the time, they'll change the policy. There's also chances they'll change other tax policies that impact you as well. Too much to go into in this episode, but if you are interested, I can do another one explaining it. But I just wanted to make sure that you are aware of that and that is on your radar. So to summarize... It's time to go away and calculate your base level, mid-level, and so freaking amazing levels of financial freedom. And once you have those figures, divide them by 4% to get the amount of the assets that you need invested to provide you with that income. It might come from multiple sources. For example, to start with, it might be a combination of part-time work and dividends or rental income, or it might solely come from dividends or rental income or a combination of both. Now, you know what you are working towards. This is where it can get overwhelming and even a little disheartening. So chunk it down into those smaller goals and focus on how much you're contributing and how you can increase that over time. As I said before, for ease of calculation, I've assumed the contribution amounts stay the same, but in reality, this isn't normally the case. Work out how you can increase it over time And then the length of time that it's going to take to reach your goal is going to fall. I'd really love to know what your financial freedom figure is and what you're working towards. So send me a DM on Insta over at Savvy.Wealth. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, it would mean the world to me if you'd like, subscribe and share it with your friends. If you feel like it, take a screenshot and share it on your IG story. Be sure to tag me so I can thank you. The information shared on the Savvy Money Talks podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. It's for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make financial or investment decisions. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the PDS, TMD and obtain appropriate financial and tax advice tailored towards your needs.